take it back to grassroots. All right, hello everybody. Welcome to the Trap Medicine Podcast. Uh, we are your hosts, Jasmine, Miriam, Martha, and in today's episode on our last series. And today's episode, <laughs> oh shoot, I'm sorry. Welcome back. Welcome back to our last episode on our series on families and mental health. Um, in today's episode, we're actually going to be getting into food insecurity, redlining, instit- institutionalized racism, and how that all affects people's health in general when it comes to stress and anxiety and depression. So I first just want to start off on asking everybody, um, do you guys know what food insecurity is? I guess from my understanding is... Um not as like a household or as an individual not being able to access the foods um as easily or readily as other communities or other individuals um mm-hmm. not just like the access to it like how far is it but like being able to afford the foods that your body needs mm-hmm. um awesome that's perfect and has anyone ever heard of a food swamp and do you know how that's different from a food insecurity i've heard of food desert food swamp i feel like you should explain that <laughs> okay, so a food swamp is pretty much when an area has way more um, non-nutritional foods, like fast food restaurants. Mm-hmm. There's way more of that available than nutritional foods. So, for example, the neighborhood I come from, you go down a street called Main Street, and there's nothing but McDonald's, Jack in the Box, Taco Bell, Del Taco, Wendy's, Arby's, but you don't really see grocery stores nearby. Mm-hmm. Um, a food desert is different. You just have less access. So what you're talking about, like you may be like a mile and a half or so away from being able to access the nutritional food. Mm-hmm. It's not that there's nothing around, it's just too far away. Got it. Oh, right. Gotcha. So I do wanna just get into a little bit of statistics. Um, so according to the United States Department of Ag- Agriculture, about 23.5 million people live in low income food desert areas. Oh, so that's wow. roughly about 8.4% of the US population lives wow. in a food desert. Um, Also, of all households, 2.3 million people live more than a mile from a supermarket. And we know most people may not have access to a car or have bus fare. Mm -hmm. So these people are, yeah, exactly. People are not able to get quality foods for themselves. I mean, who wants to carry groceries miles away from home? Right, right. And a lot of times, you know, if you notice you go to certain grocery stores, they prevent you from taking the cart. Yeah, like locks, right? Mm -hmm. So that... That could actually help some families if they have to walk to a grocery store, bring the food home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Feeding America, which is a foundation, has found that almost half of Americans are below the SNAP poverty threshold. So SNAP stands for Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, mm-hmm. and it's like a federal nutrition program that helps million, millions of people get access to food, whether it's through an EBT card mm-hmm. or um, CalFresh or something like that. So um, for you all, have you ever seen a food desert before or a food swamp or have you ever known anyone that's grown up in a food desert or a food swamp yep yes yeah okay you want to like share like what was that experience if it was for you or for someone else like what was it like yeah so i grew up in i guess you consider it a food swamp so literally florence and crenshaw so that's not mm-hmm. too far from where we're at now um i will say growing up i never noticed it just because my parents did a good job of kind of sheltering me from that Mm. of my environment and things like that I didn't start noticing it until I actually moved to San Diego for my undergrad Mm. and I noticed how different the environment was Mm. in San Diego than it was in South LA you know like 
when I went to San Diego State, literally on the campus was a Trader Joe's. Right. Yeah. And I was like, wow. dang, I gotta drive 20 minutes to get to a Trader yeah. Joe's back at home. Yeah. So it was just comparing the two environments once I got older, which made me notice, okay, yeah, like, I do live in a food swamp. There are more fast food chains mm -hmm. than grocery stores. So yeah, it was the comparison of those two environments that really made me notice the environment that I grew up in. Absolutely. Anybody else like in a food desert or food swamp, grow up in one, see one? Yeah, I think kind of similar to um, Brooke's story. So I went to school um, in Westchester, Playa Vista area. Um, and I kid you not, there was one, two, three Ralphs, like three Trader Joe's all within the area. But you go down the street to my friend's grandma's house, which is a place that we hung out at, you know, mm -hmm. quite frequently. So I, I would see, you could literally see as you drive down Manchester mm -hmm. towards Inglewood, like, where are these, like, you know, grocery stores? Where is the Trader Joe's? You have to right. go all the way to Fox Hills. You have to go all the way to mm -hmm. um, yep. Marina to get a Trader Joe's. Um, so it's just really, like, it's wild when you see it. Like, yeah. you literally can see it happening Absolutely. as you drive. Yeah. Absolutely. You so can. I, sorry. I think I have a similar experience to Miriam. Um, so I lived in the Bay Area, right? And there's, like... Palo Alto or like Stanford area, very like well off community, but on that there's like literally a freeway that separates East Palo Alto from Palo Alto and like the East Palo Alto is mostly black and brown communities. And like now that I'm thinking about it, there was only like one grocery store that like I can really think of that like most people would go to and like was accessible to everyone. But if you cross the freeway into the more well-off community it's like within like a few blocks there's like two or three grocery stores that you can mm -hmm. pick from mm -hmm. and they're all like healthier fresh organic foods mm -hmm. um so i guess just this conversation has made me realize i'm like oh wow like <laughs> just just life. like one freeway can separate mm -hmm. and like make you realize like wow these are two different communities growing up and like neighboring each yeah. other mm -hmm. and different experiences to food and food access um yeah that, that literally a, a freeway or just a street it's so crazy yeah. yeah and that has a lot to do with something called redlining have you guys ever mm -hmm. looked into yeah. what redlining is yep. everyone yes. knows what that is yep. so in the 1930s is actually when um, the u.s government established redlining and it was a way to prevent um, black people from you know, purchasing a mortgage on certain homes in certain areas. So what they would do is literally take red ink from a pen, mark the map, and separate desirable areas from non-desirable areas. That's and so crazy. this is what created the idea of redlining, which still happens today, mm -hmm. which is oh, why certain sure. grocery stores exist in one area and not another. And mm -hmm. you can even see um, whether or not grocery stores are established there. Sometimes grocery stores like maybe a Whole Foods, I'm not saying Whole Foods has ever done this, but <laughs> some place like Whole Foods can establish themselves in a in a community and then say hmm we're not making a lot of money here let's pull out and then they move elsewhere yeah. and then that prevents people from having access to the food that was good for them at first or it creates an environment where now the community is getting gentrified and now okay now this grocery store is here they're bringing in people that have more money and they're pushing out the people that have less mm -hmm. so then that ties into gentrification and so honestly food insecurity really stems back to institutionalized racism yeah. which is why mm -hmm. we see people with less, less access to food. And in the community I come from, um, like I said, it was a food swamp. And when I got to UCLA, that was the first time I ever found out what kale was. I didn't wow. grow up knowing what kale or quinoa was. Mm -hmm. um, I got to college, I was 18, and I was told I had pre-hypertension, which is pre-high yeah. blood pressure. And I was like, dang, because I grew up eating cornbread, rice, mm -hmm. greens, like 
just southern food that was available in a grocery store and being in a at UCLA I got exposed to healthier foods I got mm -hmm. exposed to a diet with less salt and so it really you know causes people to develop comorbidities like obesity diabetes mm -hmm. high blood pressure yeah. um and so um yeah I, that's a good point jazz and I wanted to add on that because not only are you dealing with the lack of access to mm -hmm. food but even when you get that access to food what is the quality of it? Right. Mm. Which right. is something I discovered when I was researching grocery stores mm. and um, environmental impacts on health, yeah. right. which are oftentimes grocery stores in under-resourced and low-income areas. Mm -hmm. That produce is old. Oh, yeah. They change expiration dates. Yes. Right. The boxed and canned items, you don't know when they got them, yeah. when they go bad. Mm -hmm. And you have to, you know, take a chance mm -hmm. on the items that you finally access when you do go to a grocery mm -hmm. store mm -hmm. in a um, in an urban area. And Absolutely. Kind of, and kind of going back to what Jazz was saying, it's like, okay, if this is the only grocery store or food source that you have, what happens yeah. when, like, they remove it? Like, yeah. right. where is that community? Where are those families going to obtain food? Like, mm -hmm. if they don't have the means to get to the nearest grocery store, which could be, like, miles away, like, mm -hmm. how are they going to get food? Mm -hmm. Right. We were, I know... Off the record, we were talking about some grocery stores that shut down. Um, we were talking yeah, about Ralph's or something there. up the street, mm -hmm. right? Which street was it on that it shut down? What's and that? do you know why? Okay. So is there like a substitute grocery store people can go to, or there is just they it's got a food for food fillers going east on Slauson, but it's that lower quality kind yeah. of yeah. Yeah. yeah, food for less is our last resort <clears throat> like, type place. Yeah, and if you want to go to Trader Joe's, that's about fifteen minutes up. Yeah, you got you know go LA traffic. Yeah. <laughs> LA traffic. Even if it's three miles <laughs> on the street, it's gonna take you fifteen to twenty minutes, minutes to get there. Right. So yeah. even sometimes the more. I guess the better quality grocery stores there's things in there that may seem foreign to somebody and Absolutely. they don't even know how to cook it mm. and that's, that's kind of to me food 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 the knowledge about food goes back into kindergarten like mm -hmm. what you grow up eating in the cafeteria versus what you get at home mm -hmm. and are you taught about how to manage your diet are you mm -hmm. taught about how to eat healthy mm -hmm. you know a lot of kids I mean they say like uh, like IBS or autism stems mm -hmm. from not having the right things in your gut and mm -hmm. we can get into that a little later but mm -hmm. like 90 I think it's 95% of serotonin is produced in your gut yep. and your gut wow. microbiome is your second brain mm -hmm. right. so if 95% well. is yep. producing serotonin which deals with your mood your feelings um, then if that's off your brain's gonna be off right and so then we get into you know irritable bowel syndrome which it's not caused by depression but there's like a strong correlation with that and um, I think a lot of people that I know, including myself, struggle with irritable bowel syndrome mm -hmm. and lots of other mental health issues mm -hmm. because of food insecurity mm -hmm. and poverty. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, poor access to food, obviously it negatively impacts your mental, your physical health, um, financial scarcity, uh, the lack of mm -hmm. farmland that's around, mm -hmm. um, just crime and violence, preventing people from going to the grocery store can lead to you know having a food desert um, so IBS which I was saying earlier it actually affects one in seven people around the world wow. and <laughs> we talked about earlier about depression that affects 10% of the population in the US mm -hmm. so there's psychological factors um, in depression that are believed to interact with people who have IBS so do right. you guys know what the difference is between like irritable bowel syndrome mm -hmm. and maybe just like a stomach ache Mm. I was actually gonna ask you like you need to like define like irritable <laughs> yeah, like you know yeah, like, yeah. people who may not know exactly what that is. I feel is. like we've all like heard it once or twice, but yeah. we don't. But what does that really like? Yeah, like what does that mean? mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, like, I guess for you, if you don't mind sharing, like do you want to share some of your experiences with it as well? 
Uh, well, for me personally, my IBS developed when I moved to LA and I, I grew up being really gassy, but like I didn't have extreme bloating or fatigue mm-hmm. or like constipation, diarrhea. And it honestly was, it was onset from stress. So mm-hmm. some of my symptoms involve like a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, stomach pain. That's like really, really sharp. Um, sometimes I don't feel like eating. It's almost like I'm unmotivated to eat anything because I know it's going to give me a stomach ache. So my stomach is sensitive to like broccoli, Brussels sprouts, uh, cabbage, apples, peanut butter, milk, like I'm lactose intolerant, all the things I grew up loving to eat. Like my favorite snack was apples and peanut butter. And because of IBS, I I couldn't. And so because I wasn't getting nutrients just because they hurt my stomach, I had to go on something called a FODMAP diet where they... I was restricted for six weeks from eating things like fructose, maltose, a whole bunch of stuff. And in that six weeks, all I ate was egg whites, sunflower seeds, and salad. That is crazy. Yeah, for for six weeks. And that that helped because it reset my gut microbiome Mm -hmm. and it caused me to, you know, learn about my my body. Mm -hmm. And then once I ate something that hurt my stomach, I was like, okay. That makes sense. I can't eat that. Mm-hmm. So would you say that IBS is more defined as like an increased sensitivity to different foods and food categories? Or Absolutely. how? Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. Was so, your IBS triggered any by having depression or mental health challenges? Like, in, yeah, what triggered it? Stress. Why when you moved to LA? Like the transition. Tell us more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like right when you said. Yeah. Um, <laughs> gosh, I mean, my entire life, long story short, was really, really stressful. Mm-hmm. Um lots of like domestic violence, all of that. So going into transitioning from my mom's household when I was 17, I moved out and then I prepared for college on my own. And so I think all of the stress of my Mm -hmm. life, just trying Mm -hmm. to get to college Mm -hmm. and then having college and being like, well, I'm alone. I have no family. It it just, it spirals me into just being overwhelmed. And like, Mm -hmm. like I said, like my serotonin was off. Yeah. So I just had like a lot of gut Mm -hmm. issues. Um, I also had like a, a, terrible relationship at the time yeah. so yeah it was just a like lot a lot it was a lot, lot. Don't do it. Yeah. A <laughs> a lot. Lot. so it's manageable now um mm. but you know even like some people have celiac and that is mm. where you have a gluten sensitivity and your yeah. body can't break down the gliadin that's in the gluten and just a key thing that i want to share yeah. um most people when they're food insecure are exposed to having a lot of wheat yep. um a lot of gluten mm. a lot of soy mm-hmm. a lot of corn mm-hmm. and things like vegetable oil corn oil which is like a staple in my opinion in like southern households yeah that is actually bad for your gut mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um soy too much soy when it's um texturized or it's inorganic is bad for your gut mm-hmm. gluten because of the gliadin which mm-hmm. uh, is like a chemical they spray on it um when that protein goes in your body it causes you to have what's called leaky gut so oh, if you have too wow. much consumption of that and of course you're in a low-income community your gut is going to respond in, in a negative way and now you can't digest food. So mm-hmm. honestly, yeah. food swamps, food deserts break down the gut of people who yep. are in low income in, mm-hmm. in low income areas. And then mm-hmm. like we were saying, it all like your whole body just ties together. Like if your gut is not happy and you don't have access to this, okay, how does that that affects you mentally right. and right. all this other sure. stuff. Right. Like we were mentioning earlier in other episodes, we're like, it's all about the snowball effect. Like, right. if you can't get something, then that makes it worse. And exactly. if that makes it worse, then something else happens. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, the snowball effect. And unfortunately, it, like, affects a lot of the black and brown communities, especially here in the L.A. area. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, in South L.A., 
we can see, you know, gentrification happening, whether it's in Inglewood, (laughs) in South Central. Mm -hmm. Um, From your standpoint, now that we all live here, have you seen literally gentrification happening in front of your face? I know we hear about it in newspaper or in books, but have you seen it? And in what city have you noticed that happen in? What do they call Inglewood? They're saying Iwood. Iwood, yeah. <laughs> Why? Why do they call it that? No, like the new people coming in were like, oh, because they shorten everything. And like, it was just like, it's not Iwood. Yeah. It's, it's no, yeah. Inglewood. Yeah, it's Inglewood. I mean, it's not Iwood. I think in my experience, like I said, I like did not grow up in the LA area. I recently moved here, but like even where in the Bay Area where I grew up, it's like in my own city we have like Amazon and all these tech companies coming in and like. The people I used to live with, the people who went, I went to school with, they're like, oh, like my family could no longer afford these houses mm. because of all this gentrification. And they're like, okay, well, we have to move like 40 minutes out because right. we can no longer afford the rent here. Yeah. Like, like we were saying, like new grocery stores are popping up. Like, are they able to afford it? Yeah. They can't. So they have to move somewhere else for yeah. the well-being of their whole family. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. especially like, so I live in Orange County and... You know, both, you know, it was significantly cheaper than L.A., like, anywhere in Orange County. So mm-hmm. you have a lot of people moving out of L.A. and going, you know, like, to Orange County or even, like, the mm-hmm. I.E. Mm-hmm. because, you know, like, gentrification. Like, they're pushed out of their communities. Like, mm-hmm. where are they going to go? Even, like, um, the stadium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. like, literally pushing stuff out of their homes. Yeah. 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 Um, and they're about to build another one, right? For is uh, it the Clippers' new stadium? Oh, like, or their Hollywood or, casino? Like something, yeah, like, the yeah. racetrack, something around there. Yeah. yeah, so it's happening. Can I, can I humbly interject? Yes. Um, so, when I was living in West Oakland, it was the same thing. A lot of people from San Francisco, from the tech company, was coming over to move because it was still really cheap. And West Oakland was right by that, that 8, whatever that freeway is, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, um, long story short, with gentrification, I'm going to be honest. You can edit this out. You know what I mean? Don't really feel <laughs> but I'm, not, I'm not, super not mad at that the fact that all people could have a chance to partake in it. Mm-hmm. But say, for yeah. instance, in the West Oakland neighborhood I was part of, you know, our neighbor got in a beef with somebody, and so he decided to shoot up their house every night for a week. Wow. Now, we're, we're, I'm right next door to him, you know what I mean? Yeah. So then one day I go out <clears throat> to talk to him, he's cool with me, so he, 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 blah, blah, he shows me the gun and all this. You know, because he wow. liked me and my, my girlfriend, you know what I'm saying? But at the same time, I'm thinking like, okay, but someone could pull up right now and shoot at him, trying to get him and hit me, or, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. I, I think Michelle's daughter, like, you know, because her mother came and stayed with her a little bit. I was like, damn, yeah. and then what, what would that look like? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, all these extremes just to protect where you're living. And, like, it really shouldn't come down to, like, this extreme of violence. It's like, what this is where sad. you grew up. Yeah, this is, like, so this was your home. Was and now happened? you're getting kicked out. Anyway, it's, like, what really silly, personal. Thinking? It's, like, childish when you think about it. Like, basically, someone had... Didn't like him, so a dude for sure had a BB gun and shot him in the eye when he was clipping a tree. Yeah, yeah, like nonsense, wow. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's like emotion, but at the same time, old dude that shot him said that um, a neighbor died because a man across the street was talking to a 16 or 17 year old daughter mm. and he shot him with an AK. <sighs> so, as I look at it, a lot of things like bad emotional management, like mm-hmm, managing yeah. your psychology, your emotions to. But then, so that's that. Then at the same time, when I do hear about things like Ralph's closing, mm-hmm. I think on a good note, it's a good time mm-hmm. in terms of the market because mm-hmm. there's a lane open for someone to provide economical, healthy food. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's true. Yeah. You know, so I try to think about things like an empowerment perspective. Where it's yeah. like, damn, but 
you yeah. know, they're taking this away yeah. from us. But it's like, okay. They're bringing something in that is healthy. Yeah, like, okay, yeah. how can people that do have, like, liquid acids or liquid wealth, how can we make mm-hmm. a healthy, like, say, sprouts is right below mm-hmm. Whole Foods mm-hmm. and what's below ish sprouts. You know what I mean? Right. Right. And, and then you can teach people, like, this is what you do. Then you say you mix quinoa with kale to, yeah. you know, have, yeah. you know, so it's, yeah. it's a lot of change going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like we were mentioning, it comes down to access of all this stuff, the education mm-hmm. of all this stuff, yeah. and really trying to find a middle ground between everything that was happening in our communities. Right. Mm-hmm. There's actually, you know, some black and brown people I've met just in Trader Joe's where they say they have an organic garden that they're growing and they distribute food wow. to the community. So mm-hmm. there's also those small yet meaningful resources like that that exist mm-hmm. that help people when they're food insecure. So when a grocery store shuts down because of gentrification or if someone can't afford rent, they most likely can't afford a food mm-hmm. on yeah. the table, right? Mm-hmm. Like the last thing they're thinking about is food. They're trying to think, okay, I got to find a job. I got to work. I got to do this. I got to mm-hmm. do that just to keep the roof over my head. Yeah. Um, or they may be like, and you know what? Shout out to McDonald's. They do oh. have those cheap family meals. <laughs> not that I advocate for them. But there are, you know, fast food restaurants. Luckily, they're not expensive. So if someone's hungry, mm-hmm. there is some they sustenance, can go, right? Because yeah. you have right. to eat. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I think that it's important for, you know, a grocery store like Whole Foods to maybe create another alternative for people that are on the spectrum of low income. So that mm-hmm. they can go to and be like, okay, I know that this food is fresh. It's organic. I want my body to feel good too, because mm-hmm. any grocery store you go into, you see organic and then nothing. Else. Everything yeah. else. <laughs> like, is is one thing gonna hurt my body or? Like, what's right. the right. Right. What? And even getting educated on like the term organic mm-hmm. in the food industry is not mm-hmm. necessarily mm-hmm. standardized. Mm-hmm. They can just put organic because it's it was longer. grown yeah. in more sunlight than one other thing. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Wow. So I mean, for people that you know, experienced the pandemic, a lot of people also weren't able to get access to food because yeah. they couldn't leave their homes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People were just taking stuff off of the shelf and they were maybe leaving the, the produce section alone yeah. and fresh fruits and vegetables, yeah. mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. they were, you know, taking like the box goods, the rice, the pasta, mm-hmm. things yeah. that yeah. people you gotta take eat you all the time. Sense. You know, there's like people you mentioned this, um, who kind of like have been working, they noticed that and they like were working to address it. Mm-hmm. Um, there was someone, we were talking about this um, person a couple weeks ago, the plant flood, mm-hmm. and she, yes. like, you know, like, she's all about, you know, like, growing stuff at home, and, you know, teach people how to, like, you know, grow things from home, if you don't have access yeah. to, like, oh, like, okay, well, use what you have in the house, we're gonna, like, you know, get you there, so you can, you know, get your own produce, and, you know, it's healthy, like, you, it's homegrown, yeah. like, it's, you know, so, just going back to what's, what what's the lady's name on the plant, like, and is, is she local, and, like, could yeah, she's actually, shout out. South <laughs> LA. I think she's, oh, she works in South LA, so I think her name is Taylor, so, Taylor. Shout out to Taylor! <laughs> Also, another person, um, the Garden Gangsta, um, Ron Finley. Oh, I know Ron. Oh, yeah. You know Ron? Okay, <laughs> we have Ron Instagram like him. Ago. Yeah. Oh, wait, okay. <laughs> yeah, so I heard a little bit about him. I don't know, like, a whole bunch, but he's also about the same, you know, same thing, like, mm-hmm. getting people, like, access to, like, grow their own vegetables mm-hmm. and, you know, food just produce that they can have in their house, like, especially, like, when you said, like, during, like, COVID, for example, like, well, if they don't have access to go to the grocery store, like, you know, you know, mm-hmm. we're at home, yeah. like, mm-hmm. we still have to eat, we still need to have, like, you know, tr- nutritional things, you know, in the right. house, so, but it's, if it's in the backyard, mm-hmm. it's in your yeah. windowsill, like, yeah. you know, starting as small as that, you know? Yeah, finding so yeah, these ways and navigating mm-hmm. what we're going through, um, I think is really important. Mm-hmm. Can I just add one additional resource yeah, to yeah. Miriam? So, uh, a few years ago, I interned at a nonprofit in Inglewood called the Social Justice Learning Institute, mm-hmm. or SJLI for short. So I'm, if anyone, you know, wants to visit their website, they also had an initiative 
where they planted gardens around Inglewood in Los wow. Angeles. And like at the actual nonprofit organization, they actually have a garden like in the back as well. Oh. And they provide produce um, to communities in the area. So yeah, for anyone that wants to check it out. I think really this goes to show that there's a lot of resources out there um, in like the LA area. Uh, but there's also many, many more that we, we might not know about. Yeah, for um, sure. And it's just like finding that thing or that person that is most helpful to you and your family um, to really find these sources. Mm-hmm. I think, um, and thank you guys so much for sharing those plugs, but just to kind of kind of wrap up on um, food insecurity, what if you could change something about the South LA um, community, whether it's reaching out to businesses, um, major food companies that provide organic food, or just growing something, what would you do to you know, eradicate food deserts and food swamps? What's something small that we could all do that you think? I think for me, it was kind of like what all these orgs are doing, like creating these spaces where people can go in and like grow their own foods and have access to it. Maybe you can't grow it in your backyard, but there's like a community garden where you're able to Mm -hmm. like grow these produce Mm -hmm. and like share with those around you as well. Because like maybe I have access to this, but my neighbor doesn't. And yeah. it's like, okay, uh, building this community, sharing these things, sharing what I learned through it mm-hmm. um, as well, I think would be a good way. <laughs> that's awesome. I like that. Um, I think adding on to that, because that's really important, but like going back to what you said earlier about like the education aspect, mm-hmm. and so that people are, you know, they know what to look for when they yeah. go to these um, like grocery stores. Um, yeah. I think it's also just kind of unfortunate that like these things happen in general, yeah. like, you know, like you know people need access to these healthy foods and it's really just not there so it kind of sucks that sometimes we have to take matters into our own hands like okay i have to grow things in my own backyard because they don't want to supply it for me like Mm -hmm. where other people can like oh i can walk to the grocery store and grab this um but yeah i think like the education you know what not to cook too yeah Yeah. i agree with you guys um something i would say and i noticed that this happened during covid in some cities but um you know when the pandemic hit there were food establishments like uh what's that grill called? Golden Corral or, Mm. you know, restaurants like Sizzler, they were creating meal packages to deliver to elderly people per Mm. week. Mm. And if we could join together and do that during a pandemic, Mm. then we could definitely do that for like Mm. the 23.5 million households that are food insecure. Because people had so much less money than Mm. the pandemic. And if we are back in our jobs and we're able to give people, give food to people that are paying, Mm -hmm. then that establishment is making enough money to at least donate to some family household once per week. So, um, yeah, I think it really is, comes down to a community effort and looking at the, looking at the changes that we made within ourselves as a community to help others and maintaining that beyond the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Amazing. Well, everyone, thank you so much for joining us. Again, we just want to go ahead and say that TRAP Medicine stands for Establishing Trust. Uh, doing research and researching our populations. Improving access. And overall, educating on prevention of other health issues and health-related issues in the black and brown communities. Yeah, so thank you so much for tuning in to the last episode on our series in familial and mental health. We hope that everything we shared with you all inspired you to look within yourselves, look at the people next to you, and make those changes that are um, enhance people's lives. So thank you so much. And thank we'll you. See you next we'll time. see you next time. Yay. 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 Yay.